Welcome back to Lightning Rounds, and if you're new here, this is a podcast where the Bible, culture, and life all intersect, and you, the listener, get to ask questions, and we, your hosts, get to respond to them. My name's Zach, I'm one of the hosts, and to my left... My name is Andrew. Is Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. Welcome to season two. I'm excited to be here. I didn't think we'd make it. Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. <laughs> here. You know, there's a couple movies I can think of in my head that, like, they shouldn't have gotten sequels, mm, but yes. they did. Yeah. You ever seen Hunchback of Notre Dame 2? Like, yeah, that was weird. That was Fox and the Hound 2? That's right. Why would that? That was a weird one. I think Lady and the Tramp. Two Adventures of Scampy. That was a, that was a strange sequel. Adventures of Scampy. Yeah, that, that shouldn't have happened. No. Certain sequels shouldn't happen, but we're praying that this <laughs> this season two should. Okay, this is gonna be a good sequel. Hopefully. Yeah. And so, if you're listening, welcome. This is our first episode of season two. We recorded. 10 episodes of season one back in 2020 and we're hoping to do that and a little bit more with this next season but andrew why don't you introduce who we're kicking off this ep number one oh uh, yes oh uh, yes it is my great privilege and honor um a familiar voice to to some of you if you've listened to if you're here season one someone that we get along with someone who's easy to talk to <laughs> Mr. Joel Rosenheimer. Hey, hey. Yes. hey guys, I'm back. I'm back. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. I would say here. back by popular demand, but I don't but. even know if there's a way for people to, to say or to vote. Do people listen? And if, if we had a vote, there would probably be some fraud in uh, it yeah. or something. Or so it's in right now. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Hey, both sides called it. Still wounded. Anyways, <laughs> maybe we'll get that part out. That was weird. <laughs> this, is not, this is not a political podcast. Yes. But Joel, we're so happy that you're the one that gets to kick this first episode off of season two of Lightning Rounds with us. I think we quote the love grenade in probably about every yeah. episode we have. That was classic. Yeah, that was a classic one. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. The friend zone. Mm. Yeah. How to get out of the friend zone. Mm. I think uh, I quote that every week to someone I'm talking to. Like, hey, someone someone once told me, C.S. Lewis once penned these words. Exactly. You know, most of our listeners, I think they know who you are by now. Yeah. You know, if they've seen you around church or for those of uh, um, you guys who are listening and long distance listeners, we're stoked you're listening too, but you're familiar with this guy's voice. Joel's so much wisdom. We love this guy. What I was saying was they know pretty much a lot about you. So far, you've introduced yourself multiple times, multiple episodes, but there's a question that kind of been coming up a lot to us as leaders, and I thought it'd be a good one to pull out of you um, to kick it off, and it's, why don't you tell us what was the most important thing that you took out or learned from 2020? Whoa. Was not <laughs> ready for that. It's season two. It's season, season two. two. things up. Dude, that is awesome. I'll be honest, 2020 was, um, we say st- be there's things in the Bible like be still, wait on the Lord, that sort of thing. And, and when normal life is progressing normally, we tend to get in a comfortable pattern. 
So for 2020, again, I think it threw us all for a little loop. Um, but what was really neat was even before I could get like, you know, disheveled or worried or that, that kind of thing, we saw the Lord working here in our, like our church community. And so it was neat to just get on board and just kind of sit back and watch the Holy Spirit do his thing without getting too caught up in being worried. I think that was actually a blessing for us because mm-hmm. we, we got busy right away, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, things shut down and we had drive through prayer and giveaways and stuff. Um, so for me, it kind of, the whole pattern carried and it was moving quickly, but, but it really taught me the biggest takeaway was just, just wait on, wait on, on the Lord, watch his spirit, um, sit back and let him do his thing and then respond to him rather than trying to initiate life all the time and do what I want to do or figure it out. Just try to try to watch him first and respond to him as, yeah. you know, almost lost my dad. Mm-hmm. Had a couple other kind of crazy stuff happen, but it, yeah. it was really weird the peace that he gave me through different things, um, and that was cool. It, it was almost like he graced me up front with it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we're living from behind, but he he taught me right away to um, um, go from his perspective. And wow! So, yeah, that was a good good wow. year. It was, it was a good year. Wow, way to just dive right in the deep end. I mean, <laughs> yeah. season hey, two. season two, season two. We don't play games. <laughs> Cannonball, <laughs> Chunky Dunk, Skidoo, Sk- <laughs> Kerplunk, <laughs> Kerplunk. All right. uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I didn't yeah. have a, I didn't have a Disney movie to go off of. Sorry, it's, no, that's, I, all that's three right. references. I, right. I was like, I didn't have a like, Disney. I didn't have a Disney right. sequel to quote, so I just I just went with that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's all right. That's all right. You know, and it, it's twenty twenty one. It's kind of funny to say that, but. 2020 is behind us. A lot has happened in this past year, but um, it's almost like still carrying some of that still. You know, a lot of people are still carrying the effects of, of what a heavy year last year was. But it's always great to look, um, it's always, I would say, important to look back and to, to find those things that are, um, that we learn from seasons of testing, seasons of trial that God takes us through. You know, if I can say one thing that I've a really awesome thing that I've taken out of 2020 was Vicky. Oh yeah, the coffee cart made at church. <laughs> she was just a huge blessing. Hats to, off. Strike 2020. That's right. Yeah. yeah. In fact, dude, here, 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 here. to Vicky. To Vicky. If you can't see it, we're raising our coffee cups. What about you, Andrew? Just one quick, maybe doesn't you don't have to go so deep, but one quick thing. Um. You gotta enjoy. I think just the day to day. You gotta. You can't think too far ahead, otherwise you you don't get to enjoy what you have right in front of you. Mm-hmm. So, wow. I think they've forced. It really forced you. You're like, I don't know what's going on. That's wise. Next nice. next week or whatever. We couldn't plan anything. It was just like, well, I guess we'll just enjoy today. So mm-hmm. we, that was something we had to do, and it was it was a blessing just to get to do that. So, I think that's what I learned. Super wise words. The it's like on you, that one. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you taught through the book of Proverbs this Something last like year. That. Yeah. <laughs> what I also learned is never teach through the book of Proverbs. Oh, that was awesome, man. That was my favorite. That was fun. That was my favorite. Or never teach yeah. via via Instagram live. That, that was difficult. That, that was hard. Also. And then you'd have to I'd have to join live from my house to lead <sighs> worship. That was really weird. That was, that was weird just enough. and rough. Yeah. yeah. But we did it. But hey. Hey. We're stronger now. We did it. High five. We did it. You too. I just watched you guys do it, and it was weird. 
don't even know. <laughs> You're like, wow. All right. All right. Well, we're going to jump into this next segment. And um, this segment is inspired by a question that one of our listeners sent in mm. for this um, next season. Nice. Okay. And I'm calling this segment, Wait, What? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have, there's a there's six phrases here. Some of them are questions, some of them are statements, and they're those questions that you think about late at night. <laughs> they're the things that just don't make sense in the world that are kind of hilariously oxymoron, just moronic statements that um, are made. And so like we're just wait. gonna <laughs> we're just gonna read. We're gonna take turns and read these off. Maybe talk a little bit about it. And uh, yeah, why don't we start with Joel? Okay. Kick right. us off with n- numero uno numero of our uno. segment. Wait, what? 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 Why? It's a question. Honest question. Why doesn't carrot cake taste like carrots? <laughs> carrots. Carrots are gross. Who's gross, who, man? Whose idea was that? It's like you know, I really like cake, but I want to get more vegetables. Yeah. In my diet. <laughs> Dude, my mom used to sneak zucchini into chocolate cake. She yeah, zucchini. Have you heard that? It yes. does make it moisture, but then you'd always like, wait, what? What's this flake of green stuff? Yeah, why uh-huh. do I taste a hint of vegetable? <laughs> why is there a hint of vegetable in my sugar? Yeah, in my sugar. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like a New Year's resolution. Someone had, like, next year, more vegetables. And they're like, mm, how can I sneak it in? <laughs> I'm going to eat a salad and cake. <laughs> or a carrot farmer had some extra carrots in it. It's like, so what, what are we going to do with this? Yeah. <laughs> Make a cake out of it? <laughs> why don't you read number two, Andrew? Number two. While waiting at a restaurant for a waiter, do they... <laughs> Sorry, I can't even read this out loud. Let me try one more time. While waiting at a restaurant for the waiter, do you then become the waiter? <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? Inception? I like that. <laughs> Where are we? We're just, it's just, your whole life's a waiting game. Like, Sorry, I read the, that. I read the third one while you guys were talking. And it made me laugh, and I had to. Sorry if it sounded disrespectful while you were not at all. talking about what God taught you in, in this year, and I'm over here laughing. <laughs> I read the thing, it made me laugh. So, so good. Why don't you just read the third one? You're talking about what's the third one? Oh, read the third, third one. one. Okay, I'm going to try and read yeah. this with a laughing. What happens if you get scared half to death twice? Twice. <laughs> you get scared to, scared to death. To death. Full death. Uh, full death. Full death. Whole. Two halves make a whole. Two halves make a whole. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. You did. So funny. <laughs> oh, man. That made me laugh. Sorry. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, Joel. Go ahead with number four. When you clean a vacuum, do you become a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> vacuum. Does vacuum to use? I had to clean my vacuum recently, actually. So... <laughs> Vacuum. Do you have a smaller vacuum it to clean is. your other oh, vacuum? Oh, gosh. Oh, my goodness. No, I, it was my hands. <laughs> disgusting. Those are disgusting. <clears throat> All right, go ahead, Andrew, number five. Why did they call it a building if it's already built? <laughs> building. That's in the process. Do they call it structure? Edifice. Or, or finished. Goal. Yeah, finished. <laughs> it's done. Oh, I get it. It's done. Built. Uh, it's finished. You're going to find that it's in the done built. building. No, wait. <laughs> Still doesn't make sense. <laughs> Total positive. Build. All right, Joel, you can end it off with our last one. If your shirt isn't tucked into your pants, <laughs> then are your pants tucked into your shirt? 
You got to think about that one, right? Huh? I mean, the fashion right now, when you look at trends, tucked in shirts are kind what of is, like a weird thing, making, a, cut, making a weird comeback, like t shirts. Like not tight tucked in, but like tight, like rolled. Like tucked in, but it's like hanging yeah, over. Bloused a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm specifically talking for guys, okay? I'm yeah, seeing okay. like guys, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm, huh. I don't remember the last time I tucked in a t shirt, like a graphic t shirt. 1990. Um, yeah, 1990. But hey, why, are they, why is it coming back? Like, that's the thing that I'm, it's really bumming me out is why are the 90s coming back? That's something that, like... I love the 90s, man. Like a zombie needs to stay <laughs> dead. Like, does do not need to come back. Some of the worst... The, the um, like, late 90s, late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it was, it was 80s hangovers, what the, it was. It was. 80s. It was the... Yeah, it's just 80s hangovers. It's the worst time in the history of Except clothing. for music. Music was great, but clothing really suffered. Yeah. yeah. Would you say that if the music thrives, the clothing... Ooh, dies next podcast and the <laughs> music throughout history i don't know yeah it's just I every time i see it and i'm like oh man that's we, what i wore when i was a kid and then i'm like oh man am i at that place where i'm like these kids wearing these pants because there was the gap look there's the there's the preppy gap look tucked in shirts and at the same time you had this clash with the kurt cobain and, and the grunge there yeah. it was like they were yeah. like it was a civil war of, of clothing yeah mm -hmm. it was great yeah, a really divide with all the division that's going on in the world. <laughs> it's the last thing we need. It's, a, it's the last thing we need. <laughs> Uniformity is what we're after, okay? Well, I'm tucking my pants into my shirt <laughs> right now. I <laughs> always tuck my socks into my pants. And vice versa. Well, well, there you go. This is great. That was that was our wait what wait wait what segment what. what? That was fantastic. Love it. Nice one. Thank you. A good one. This podcast has it all. Yeah. Was the was it the carrot cake question that spurred this on? That, that was. That it? was. We might have to do a little shout out to the islands. To the islands of Hawaii. Oh. Hawaii. Yeah. Do they grow carrots on Hawaii? I think <laughs> can carrots grow anywhere? <laughs> Where can you not grow carrots? Antarctica. <laughs> Proper yeah, growing the Sahara Desert. I don't care. Yeah, I think you can grow. <laughs> grow potato? Can you grow carrot? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's move into our honest questions. Here we are going into the questions that you sent in. Hopefully, you get the scripture. Hopefully, you get um, Jesus straight from us. We want to preface them too with the fact that we don't know everything <laughs> we don't have all the answers <laughs> these are responses <laughs> yeah. said before so, yeah so jesus is the answer definitely um but moving on question number one listener asks this question is about forgiveness and turning the other cheek if we are to want to walk like jesus we are called to forgive and walk in love but if the person we choose to forgive continues to hurt us, when is it okay to completely walk away from that relationship? I feel like it's hard, at least for me, to find the balance between forgiveness and being a doormat. And maybe other Christians feel that way too. Mm. Talking about forgiveness. Hey. Hey, hey. That's a good question. 
the the first thing that hit me was what type of relationship they mm. were speaking of because there's different type of relationships like if you're in a marriage relationship then then obviously this this is going to go further uh there's there's more commitment and things to that again there's we have friendships again in, with our community here that we're speaking to there's a lot of friendships and things like that and i think one thing to be aware of is to actually identify those relationships um, so, sometimes we get in, in a toxic relationship, we call it, you know, or maybe there's an abusive relationship. And, and again, that's nothing you're called to. I think Jesus calls us to, um, I, I wrote down, Jesus calls us to, to love everyone, and, but not necessarily be in a relationship with everyone. That's not one of his requirements of us. Um, yeah. So again, to, to kind of um, vet out like, okay, what, what relationship are we speaking of? And if it's friends, then uh, I think it's important, especially as Christians, to the, the, the friendships and the deep relationships we want to invest in. Um, we do want to have those iron sharpening iron um, type of relationships where you're, where you're, you know, you're locking shields, you're moving forward, especially in our day and age where we're, you know, you want to be in close relationship with um, close Christian friends. Um, and so it's not, it's not always a call to, uh, obviously we do have to forgive, but again, if you have a, a friend or someone that, uh, hurts you a lot, again, you kind of have to, have to evaluate that relationship, um, I would think, and just say, you know, is this, you know, you know what, what's the best situation here? And I think, again, we've talked about this a lot, I think, in this podcast it comes up, um, and it's, uh, it hits me to, to live honestly. Mm-hmm. So again, if you have a friend, and maybe, maybe you've been friends for like 10 years, or you grew up together, um, and, and if it's not a great relationship, I think you have to be honest. It's better to live honestly and sometimes that's confrontational, but but again, talk with that friend and, and talk over these things, and then also that you know what does the Lord have for you? Because He may be calling you to spend that effort and something somewhere else, and not to be mm. in that friendship. So it's in that friendship. So it's not necessarily you know do I cut this off and walk away from this? It's like well, well, no, you can still love that person, but what does He have for you in your life? And so uh, the scriptures I wrote down were um, again. First uh, Corinthians fifteen thirty three. That's bad company corrupts good morals. Mm. So again, evaluate that. Um, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen was as iron sharpens iron, sharpens iron. So a friend. So you want to have those friends that do sharpen you in the faith. Um, and the two uh, that were pretty good. One was Romans sixteen seventeen, and he says, uh, "And now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters, watch out for people." who cause divisions and upset people's faith um, by teachings that are contrary. So again, and it actually says, stay away from them. So if there's people that are just causing problems or that, that cause that in you or just like, you know, pushing your buttons, um, God actually, is, you know, he's not calling you to, to be besties with that person. He's calling you to, well, you know, you, you got to guard where what you do with your emotion and where you go. And then the last one for me is Proverbs 22, 24. 25 and it says don't befriend angry people or associate with hot tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your own soul like it kind of you know what i mean it's like he's, he's kind of calling you like like be discerning about your friends yeah so if this is a friend situation that that would be my advice is like you're actually not called to be a doormat but again if it's if it's other situation you know especially at work or things like that where people just really not if you have unfriendly coworkers and stuff. Well, then it's like you know you just keep being like Jesus because because he loved everybody. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think you you bring up the first vital point 
I think in forgiveness and it's checking your relationships to make sure whether they're, I mean, you, I think you have, kind of have to understand or you have to figure out whether this person is, I mean, it's one thing if this person is an unbeliever um, and it's another thing if this is a, is someone who's a Christian in your life. Um, but I mean, the reality is, like you said, you know, Jesus does call us to love people, but he's not calling us to be best friends with everyone. Mm. You know, there's, there's only um, certain people that God brings into our life that we're, you know, um, that we have the opportunity to and the blessing of opening our heart to and, and being vulnerable with, you know, and Jesus even gave a warning about that when he said, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine, mm-hmm. you know, don't take something that is precious to you and just lay it out to where pigs can trample over it. And you can, in a sense, be like that doormat. That's like the the things that are so precious to you, you know, they're just getting, or of who you are, just getting trampled over. Um, but in the context of this question, I'm assuming that this person is hurt by this relationship because they're asking how to forgive and mm-hmm. how to move forward mm-hmm. in this. And so, um, Andrew, what's your take on this? What, what, what advice would you give uh, to a person who's struggling with forgiving someone who continues to, to hurt? Yeah, it's, I think it's difficult to remember Peter asked Jesus, like, how, how many times should I forgive my brother? And someone who wrongs me, you know, seven times, and Jesus said 70 times seven, and this attitude of forgiveness. But I don't, and I think, like you said, Joel, there's a, there's this, obviously your hand is out, but your hand is up in, in the same way of like guarding yourself and guarding your heart. And um, yeah, we do want to walk like Jesus. Does that mean that you're going to get along with every single person in the world? Probably not. But if it is a friend relationship too, um, do they know that they've hurt you? Like, have mm. you verbalized it? Are you communicating it? Mm. If you're not talking about it, then you're not doing the first steps that Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 18, which is if you have a problem with a brother, go to them and discuss it. Mm. If, right, if right. they hear you and you receive your brother again, then, then you have fellowship with one another. So I'd say that's the first step. And then if it's still continuing, then you bring others into the mix. And following that example of Matthew 18... Um, and just, and then if it, like at one point it says, if, if they won't hear, if they won't, you know, if, if that relationship is still, still strained, then you've done what you could to restore it. But re- restoration is a two-way street. It takes two people to want to work on something and two people to come in humbly. Um, so if it's only one-sided, then, then I would say you keep up your side and, you know, you can't really control what someone else does, but... If they're continuing to hurt you and it's and it's bad, then that's something where you need to be guarded and like yeah. keep keep one hand up and one hand out. Yeah, and, and you know that's a that's a difficult forgiveness is such a um, it's it can seem like a labyrinth, like a maze to walk through um, as a Christian because I mean one it goes against our nature, our human nature to want mm-hmm. to like hey an eye for an eye. If you hurt me, I'm gonna hurt you back. Or I'm gonna, you know, give you the silent treatment, or I'm gonna give you how, make you feel the way you made me feel, the way yeah. you hurt me. But I mean, verses on forgiveness. I think of that verse in Colossians three thirteen, where Paul says, "Bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against someone else, forgive each other, as the Lord has forgiven mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You must also forgive." And and Paul gives this command to us, the church, that. 
when we are hurt, that we're called to forgive as we have been forgiven, as as God has forgiven us. You know, and and I think the reason behind that is because when we don't forgive, I think it was Pastor John. I remember John speaking on this, saying that forgiveness or the lack of forgiveness in your life towards a person puts you in that in in chains in like a mm-hmm. cell. But you don't realize in in your mind you think I've you know I'm holding that person in that cage because they're not forgiven. But in reality, you're the person that's mm. not experiencing true freedom because you haven't forgiven them. Because yeah. unforgiveness, what it what it causes is bitterness mm-hmm. in our life. And um, even the book of Hebrews talks about bitterness and says it's like a root of bitterness that it, it grows underneath where no one can see. I mean, you can be bitter towards somebody and no one know about it, and even mm-hmm. that person not even know about it. And so I think it's important for us to guard against that. And one of the ways we guard against that is through forgiveness. And I think, Andrew, that's a great avenue, if not the first step to take, is if you have a relationship with this person, confront them, Mm -hmm. um, be open about it, you know, and um, communication to to go up to them and, and let them know how they've hurt you. And, and I mean, I think too, I mean, because this question kind of goes on and it says, when is it okay to completely walk away from that relationship? I think there is, I think there is a point where, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can walk away like you're, like you were saying, Andrew, that there is a point where you're like, okay, well, you know, I'm not going to continue to allow myself to be dragged down by this person, but to love them. And even in that love, like um, I think of 1 Peter 4, 8, where it says love covers a multitude of yeah. sins in loving them, you know, and mm-hmm. stepping away from it. I'm not gossiping about it. Right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm covering that, mm-hmm. and just like, okay, I'm gonna walk yeah. away, and I'm. I'm not l- leaving that relationship and spreading little fires around about what this person did, and oh, you wouldn't believe what, and yeah. then it, and then you end up ruining a person's reputation, um, right. and if they're the body of Christ, you end up destroying the church, the, the body that Christ died for. Right. You know, someone that, that Jesus yeah. died for. And so... Don't you think, too, like, even... Say you forgive someone and you're, you're like... You're, you might not get the response that you're hoping for or the closure that you're hoping for. So you can, like, extend forgiveness with the hope that, like, hey, they're going to change or, hey, they're going to... Like, this is going to radically, you know, bring them to this crazy... They're going to understand, you know, and they're going to respond. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that's not how it is. When you say, like, hey, you've harmed me, the initial reaction is to, like, pull back, defensive, like, what do you mean? I wasn't wrong, whatever. You know, so you're not always going to get the response that you're hoping for. And I think that's where, like, if you don't get that response and you're like, okay, we're breaking this off, the temptation then, because you didn't get the response you wanted, was to go and badmouth Right. Everyone else. Mm-hmm. And like, you wouldn't believe blah, 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 blah. So you haven't really forgiven them anyway. So yeah. Well, and again, one way to phrase that I found out in the past is just to go up to them. And a lot of times they don't know, or they know, but they're, you know, like you said, it's a defensive thing and, and, and deal with it on your terms. Like, Hey, I just want you to know, I've been, I've been holding kind of some bitterness in my heart, you know, and put it on, put it on what, what how it, how it interacts with you. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been holding this inside just because of, of some things that you do, but, you know, phrase it that way. Um, and I think this is a, a really important thing to talk about in this, you know, especially with the refuge young adult kind of, gener- you know, where were you guys are all at in life is you are wading through different relationships. 
you know, and it's, mm. it's a good, it's a, actually a really good skill to learn and, and just to trust the Lord and talk and talk to him and be like, Hey Lord, how you take, Lord, take the wheel and evaluate my friendships, evaluate where I'm putting yeah. my time. What do you, you know, is, is there anyone that I have to, you know, not cut out, but you know, how, how do you evaluate your time and your relationships and, or, or, cause he'll show you new people that you don't know that you have to mm-hmm. pour into sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes he removes even good friendships, things we have. Um, so letting him be in control of those. One great example of this is actually my wife. She um, she has way more loyalty and kindness towards people, like long-suffering, than I do. Um, like, I love people, but I also won't go super deep with someone that, like I know, is just going to be a hassle. <laughs> and she's kind of like that nice teacher that takes on people that are a hassle and, and just goes with it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. How yeah. do you do that? So, again, God's gift her with that. But I'm also encouraged to watch that um, they can do things that would be kind of hurtful, but she sticks with them a lot longer, and she's just a kind person, and, and you see what God does through that. So sometimes He does call us to be long-suffering, knowing yeah. that it's Him through us. Again, yeah, it's, not, it's not us. We can't, you know. So again, don't take things personally. Sometimes you have to have thick skin, yeah. knowing that God's love does the work, and it's not about you. Yeah. Um, and to love people. And sometimes it can be a good challenge to be like, you know, not be so sensitive and, oh, do I, you know, I'm more like this. I'm like, hey, you're going to hurt me? I'm walking away. Okay, cut it off. Forget it. I don't need that in my life. But yeah. um, sometimes he calls us to be long-suffering yeah. and to learn that because once we are in a deeper relationship, like once it turns to marriage, there's going to be things that hurt us. There's going to be things that we deal yeah. with and disappointments and unmet expectations and, and we have to learn that those aren't that big a deal. Yeah. And that long suffering covers yeah. and goes longer and means more to yeah. God, you know. And I, it's it's funny. God takes us through certain seasons in life. And sometimes we can go through, like I said it, Joel, hassles, you know, which sometimes are people <laughs> in our lives that bring, he brings into us. Yeah. And they're like, you're like, oh, this person just, oh, really, God? Come on. Like, uh, and you, you're praying against that person. But what happens is you end up praying against God's will for your life. Not yeah. that that person is supposed to be like, you know, your groomsman in your wedding or like your maid of honor or whatever whatever right. it might be, you know. Right. Um, but sometimes we pray against the very thing that God is using in our life mm-hmm. to shape us more mm-hmm. like Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And um, when we come to that realization of like, Lord, like, I understand that some people, they are like sandpaper. They rough around, you know, they smoothen out my rough edges and... Yeah. But I think getting to that place, um, getting to that place of being able to forgive people that way mm-hmm. is um, forgiveness for others. It's only going to come through a relationship with the ultimate forgiver. Yeah. It's only going to come through that. And I think as your relationship and you dive deep in your relationship with Jesus and, you, and that he changes you and the Holy Spirit changes your heart from the inside out and you start to have compassion on people who don't deserve compassion, you know? And um, I, the verse that I think of is in Matthew 6 when the disciples, you know, ask Jesus to teach them how to pray, and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. I think we were, you were saying that you pray this prayer every morning too, yeah. Joel, or we're talking about today. But one thing that stood out to me in it as I was um, reading it was, you know, prayer is a form of relationship with the Lord. It's how we t- talk with Him. And, and one, of the pra- one of the verses in that, the Lord's Prayer, um, in Matthew 6 verse 12 says, Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And it's in this relationship with God that is, is um, we pray, Lord, forgive me 
mm-hmm. as I extend the same forgiveness to others, you know? And um, I think the thing with forgiveness is we have to just be careful not to get on that high horse where we think we're yep. better than everyone and we're just sin sniffers and we're calling out people's faults, <laughs> you know? We're like, oh, there it is, yeah. God, forgive them, you know? Forgive, you know, and we become like that Pharisee who's like, thank you, God, that I'm not like this tax collector. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, but but let God give us that heart of that tax yeah. collector who's like, Lord, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. Yeah. I'm a man of sin. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so um Yeah, he who's been forgiven much loves much. Amen. But I think just Jesus always puts that in view in our relationship with others too, just to look look within first. Am I the problem? Like am I being too sensitive or am I like yeah, he always turns it on you first. Like, am I the problem? And then if not, then go from there. But I think you guys make great points. Like, we don't want to become, like you're saying, pharisaical in our own heart. And always taking, Jesus always turns it back on your own heart. Have you been wronged? Well, what ways have you wronged the Lord? And I think it is pride that will elevate you to a place where you're like, man, I'm just, everyone just hurts me. and mm. Or you become a victim too of like, I'm always getting wrecked and, just think about how many lives that you've personally hurt too. And I think all of us are super thankful for those people that have stuck with us and like, didn't just like write us off or, you know, and how many people we've wronged. I'm so thankful that I still have friends that stuck with me. Even, you know, that I've, I've wronged, you know, horribly, but they didn't just cut and run. So I think there is a, there's wisdom in the balance of it in praying through your, mm-hmm. even your relationships. You know, pray through these things. Yeah. I don't yeah. think it's just a cut and dry. Here's when it yeah. happens. This is when you don't. You need to pray through it. Yeah. And ask pray God for discernment. Yeah. Pray for discernment yeah. and and wisdom and grace in how to handle all that. Okay, moving on to our next question. Next question is sent in by a listener. And this listener asks, how do you balance the two ideas of becoming welcoming to the unsaved without being influenced in a bad way by them? And also, how do you stand your ground on what you believe is right and true without sounding dogmatic and condemning? So we kind of got two questions that are kind of like similar to each other that are conjoined into one. And the listener responded with cross-references before. Uh, some stuff on it but just talking about jesus he was called a friend of sinners pharisees ridiculed him for that but how do you balance that of being someone who is a friend of sinners but at the same time not being influenced by them in a Mm. bad way that's a good question i think paul paul the apostle had a a really i think it's first corinthians 9 where he says to the jews i became a jew to the to those who were without law, that became without law. You know, so he he made a practice of hanging out with people who didn't believe necessarily what he believed, but he says the purpose of it was to win them to Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the balance of it is you have to go in with that mentality of like like the Apostle Paul that says I'm living in a fallen world, and I understand that there's pressure from the outside to become like the world. And what Paul was saying is not that he morphed into like whoever he was hanging with in order to, you know, he was a fake person. So he became like the Jewish people 
I think what he, he's getting at is he spoke the language that they spoke. He mm. understood what they were talking about. Um, and he said later on, I'm an ambassador for Christ. And an ambassador speaks two languages. He speaks the language of the people and the language of, he, uh, of, of his own country. And so in order to reach people, there is a balance of understanding the culture and understanding the world that you're in, in the sense that we can be normal people who have normal interests and act like normal people, but it's for the purpose of winning them to Christ. So, so I think the balance of it is um, you're not going to the bar with them to win them to Christ. Paul didn't go to the, the, the temples of of Diana and the temples of these places to go and win people to Christ. He, he would invite them out. He would invite mm-hmm. them into his life. He would invite them along his path. And same, same with Jesus. He would invite them to follow him and to come mm-hmm. along with him. But he did go to where they were, but, but inviting them out of that and calling them out of it. So you're not approving of what they do. You're not approving of what they believe, like in the sense of, yeah, I believe the same thing, but I also have like a little Jesus peppered in there. Um, <laughs> but there's a stark contrast, obviously, of your life. But I think that one of the most attractive things about about being a Christian is the way that you love people mm-hmm. and the way that you yeah. are kind to one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to just keep things in balance, kindness and love. All the while, like we were saying, you have to keep a hand up of like, nope, that's not the way I live. That's not the way I talk. I represent a different kingdom. Like I speak the language of heaven. I understand what you're saying. I speak that language. I know what you're talking about, but I also, this is not my home. I, I'm a citizen of heaven. And so um, we're called to do that. We're called to be a representative of Christ wherever we go. Um, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. You know, you're, it's like a boat. You're, a boat is in the water. And as long as the boat is in the water, but the water is not in the boat, like things are going pretty well. And so we're called to be in the world, um, to be an influence, to be light, to be salt. You know, all these verses that Jesus says that this is what we're called mm-hmm. to do. But, but the balance is we don't want um, that influence to get, to begin to, to take over. And so we, don't we, want, use, we don't want water in the boat. We don't want water no. in the boat. That's a yeah, bad thing. A bad thing. Yeah. We always want to keep the word of God at the forefront yeah. and like always falling back on that. Like, no, the yeah. word of God tells me this is the way I live. Yeah. Not, not yeah. culture. I think that brings up that good reference of James that, where it says that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And it's good mm-hmm. to understand that James isn't saying that you can't have any friends who are unsaved. Mm-hmm. Um, because how else would you reach? Right. How else would you share the gospel with people? Mm-hmm. But it's more so of a, an alliance with the sinful system of this world. You know, we're not aligning. We don't ever want to align our hearts with the practices of sin because that is sin that's wrong mm-hmm. it, it, that places our worship towards things on this earth rather than in relationship with god and worship of him but i like how this this uh question uses that word balancing that idea because it is and me and Andrew, we talk about it all the time that the christian walk is that balance it's not being swayed um, from one extreme to the other and the enemy loves to do that the enemy loves to throw us to where you're somebody that is so in a sense away from the world that the world can't even relate to you you're like right. this monk that mm. doesn't even like to use that ambassador example yeah. you're this guy that knows only your native tongue mm-hmm. not the country you're living in you only know your native tongue so no one understands you yeah no one gets you no one can no one can relate to you 
But then you can be you can be swung to the completely opposite side and be someone that is an ambassador of your native tongue, but you only speak the la- language of, of um, the country you're in. Yeah. And so how are you going to relate the messages from your home country to this people that you're living amongst when you don't understand that language? And so it's this balance of, of knowing two languages, of knowing the language of heaven and the language of earth and in welcoming that. you know. And I think Jesus, he's, he, he walked that line, which is a thin line, but he it's walked it Jesus. so well. Yeah. Like... I mean, from a guy that ate with drunkards and tax collectors and prostitutes, and it said that the the common people like felt like at home with him, like mm-hmm. they could approach. He was approachable yeah. by mm-hmm. anyone, you know. And to me, that that really inspires me and makes me check my heart and my life. And man, am I approachable by by? I don't want to say sinners, you know, because I know I'm a sinner too, but yeah. like by the world, mm-hmm. like, or am I somebody who's just so holy that like, oh man, I can't, Zach's a man of the cloth, mm. you know, <laughs> we can't touch him, you know, we can't speak to him. But in Jesus seeing that he was God in flesh, but I, I think of that verse in Romans 2, 4, how it says that God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. And it, it wasn't Jesus was approving of these the sinful acts that these people committed, mm. he was showing them kindness by eating with them, by coming to their house, and he was hoping that that kindness, by them experiencing the kindness of God, that that would lead them to repentance mm. and a change of life, and a change of heart. Yeah, that actually turns the question on its head. It's like, how can I be so loving and so uh, shine so much light that the people around me can't won't be influenced for good? Yeah, that's like what well, you don't have to be about worried about and being influenced by bad. Yeah. It's like, be a light. You, mm. you, if you're the most loving, kind person in the room, you know, at work, you're going to be, they're, they're going to like you. Yeah. I mean, just because you're a hard worker. Because again, that's what Jesus says. He says, go where you're at, um, you know, go go in and, and, and be be that person. Um, I had Philippians 127 pulled up for a different reason, but it says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. And, and just live like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, and be be that great worker. Be the best worker at work. Be the most honest person. Be the be the kindest. And, and people are like they're going to see that, and they're going to be influenced by you. Yeah. And then and then I think it leads into the next the next part, um, the two part question again of standing your ground on what you believe is right and true without being dogmatic. Yeah. I don't know if you guys are ready for that. Yeah. So well, far, but I think it, I think we've seen like in the you know we're talking about the '90s and stuff like that. We saw that in church for a long time. Where church swung to either side of the pendulum. Yeah. Where it was just like, <laughs> oh God. it was like tucked in shirt. If you were in the youth youth oh ministry in like the early 2000s. And yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Or young Late 90s. Ministry, yeah. It was like, okay, we only have church and, and no sinners felt ever welcomed in that place. Yeah. Right. And it was just this set aside holy thing that was not attractive to anyone who didn't right. already know Christ. And then the other side of it, it swung hard, hard to the yeah. other side where it's not even a church. The yeah. word of God is thrown out. It's a social club yeah. and we meet in a bar yeah. and we actually serve We play beer. secular music <laughs> for secular worship music. and it's like... Candles. Yeah. And just like... Yeah. Art and all this right. stuff. All with like, hey, we're going to reach people. and But the word of God's thrown out and it's like, there's no power mm. in it. Yeah. You just have yeah. a social gathering. And so the devil likes to play that game. Like, hey, if you want to be super super christian and like <laughs> that sounds like a terrible awesome. thing awesome but like if it swings you to that yeah, ineffective, ineffective super christians yeah yeah just 
And then he'll swing yeah. to the other side of like, let's throw everything out of holiness and righteousness and what we're called to be. But like you're saying, there is that line. And we saw that in church history mm. uh, in our own life. Yeah. I think there's a weird wariness of doing, looking like the world so much that yes. you as a Christian are compromised. Yes. And at what point are it's like, if we only do Christian things, like I'm only part of a Christian softball team, I'm only part of a Christian surf club, I'm only part of a Christian this, Christian that, mm-hmm. Christian grocery store shopping crew, Christian sewing crew, like everything in my life. Okay, love <laughs> I'm not Christian. Around, yeah, I'm not around anyone who is not a believer. I think the devil's like, job done. Yeah. Because you're not reaching or influencing anyone who's in darkness. The light's bottled up. It's hid under a bushel, and the devil's fine with that. As long as you're not taking other people with you to heaven, mm-hmm. he's fine with you just just doing that. Mm-hmm. So there is that importance where Christ calls us to go out into all the world, making disciples of all nations, living among people. I mean, that's why you live in the neighborhood you live in, like, is to influence it for Christ, mm-hmm. to be a light. Your house should be different than the other, you know. Yeah. So at what point is the devil winning when he actually confines us to only the church and we're within You're like, walls. I'm building doomsday bunker. Yeah. I'm never going outside to get never. groceries. It's just me and my family hunkered down yeah. with deer meat and spam and Twinkies. And I was on prime everything. Yeah. I don't have to go anywhere. Talk to my neighbor. You never. Yeah. It's yeah. never see the light of day. Yeah. We're homeschooled. We're, you know, you know, homeschooled yeah. all the way through college into my master's program where I'm, you know, learning, to, I don't know, whatever, wherever that's going. But at some point, it's like the devil's winning because the church isn't mobilized anymore. It's totally, it's fossilizing yeah. within itself. I like I like that they, they said without being influenced in a bad way. Because again, mm-hmm. we actually should be influenced by them. Like we, you know, Jesus, when he saw the world, we saw the masses and the scattered sheep, like he was influenced in a way. It broke him to compassion. Yeah. And so it's actually okay. We need that. We need that. Yeah. We need that conflict within our souls to see what's going on in the world. To see, yeah. that, you know, we want that influence, not to change our behavior, but to 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 cause us to change our our you know our our, our motives and how we how we want to reach them. You yeah. know, to affect us. Yeah. In a way, you know. I think of the guy who started Compassion International. It started with a trip to I think it was North Korea, and he mm. was seeing like these garbage men coming around and picking up these bags and they would mm. kick the bags. You ever heard this story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And inside were kids that were like freezing to death and, and, and because there was no food, they were starving and people wow. would put their... I mean, this is what was happening. And this guy's flying back. I forget his name and how it started, but he's flying home and it was that that influenced him to start this thing. And all he heard on the way back to England was... What are you gonna do about it? What are you gonna do about mm. it? What are you gonna do about it? It was like that that was pivotal in his life to start this thing that would reach out to children all over the world. So it is important for us to be in the world where we can see the needs of the world. And God wants to meet those needs through his church. And so we're we're caught, you know, it's important for us to be in the world but not of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I mean it brings up a good subject, and this person asks the question after that is how to stand your ground in what you believe is right and true without sounding dogmatic Mm -hmm. and condemning. Because there is a point when you are in the world, when you will be confronted about your views, your faith. And um, how do you, how do you stand your ground without being, you know, 
like that person who's just holding a sign that says, you guys are all going to hell. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's Not going the to hell. Yeah. 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 You know, I've got one without looking like that. Joel's got what, one thing to realize is that, is that the gospel, it, it is dogmatic. Like mm-hmm. there, truth is truth, no matter how you do it. And again, Doctrine matters. So you can't worry about how you sound to another person. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, you, you want to come across the right way again, and also condemning. One thing is that you, your job is never to condemn or to judge like that. The cool part about us Christians is that all we have to do, again, show love and speak the truth in love. Um, you didn't have to tell someone they're doing something wrong. They know that. The mm-hmm. Spirit does that. So, mm-hmm. again, just remembering your, 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 your job is to, one, just, just love and speak the truth in love. And when it's time to speak the truth, you do have to speak the truth. Um, but one thing that I put down was, again, to stand your ground. The only ground that we really have to stand on is, is salvation and the truth of the Word. There's, as we've seen this last year play out with social media, even Christians, everyone is picking different plots of ground to stand on and be like, oh, I want to defend this. Uh, and it's like, it's just so divisive. And, and we have to remember, again, to be an effective Christian, the only real ground you want to stand on is, is the gospel and the, that truth. Just stick to that. You know, Let the other things kind of play out. Um, let the Holy Spirit do His yeah. work. Um, I know, like Ephesians, there's, I wrote down three uh, references, and they all deal with standing firm in your faith. Uh, Ephesians six thirteen that talks about all the armor. Mm-hmm. It says so you can stand firm in your faith. That's what it's calling you to stand firm in is just your faith. Mm-hmm. You know, your testimony is going to be the biggest witness. First Peter five nine, same thing. It says resist the devil, stand firm in your faith. And then Philippians um, chapter one, there's one too. But they all talk about standing firm in your faith and in the word. And it's you're not you're not called to defend everything and every every little view. It's like again, if we've seen anything this last year, is that you know, you kind of want to back off those and love people and just, when it comes to your turn, have choice words about, you know, your faith. Because people are looking for, you know, people are looking for, just like we talked about before, like being a light, being love. That's going to be so effective because people want that. Everyone wants mm-hmm. peace and joy. So you wait your turn until it is your turn to tell the truth. Most likely there's there's not going to be such a bad reaction. Right. Except on those social issues where, it's, again, you can't help those. Right. And, you know, we never want to be condemning because there's only one judge, and that's Jesus Christ the righteous. And, you know, even our judgments that we make are um, partial, mm-hmm. and we only see outward, but God is the one that looks at the heart. And so um, we preach the truth, and we preach the gospel. And I like how you start off with saying that, like, the gospel is dogmatic. And I get what you're saying. That's so cool. It's so true, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And right. I mean, in, in, in that language, it's emphatic in the sense of, I am the only way, the only truth, and, and the only life. So there's only one way th- to Jesus. And so we kind of have to be dogmatic in that <laughs> as a Christian, because that's yeah. a pillar to what we stand on, is that there's yeah. not many ways to heaven, there's one way. And so we stand and we hold fast um, yeah. to those hills that we, in a sense, die on. Like, I'm standing on this hill. Mm-hmm. That Jesus is the way to salvation. I'm standing right. on that. I'm saved by grace through faith. You know these these things. Um, but I think there is a way that in presentation, in presenting the gospel, that um, can come off. Which I think this person is getting off with is demeaning and like, hey, you you know you're interrupting that person. You're not letting the other person talk because you're like, no, you don't understand. You're wrong. You know, and it's like, and it can come off dogmatic and quote yeah. quote unquote. You know, and mm-hmm. it's. Um, 
you know, we talked about this when we talked about apologetics in one of our episodes about the importance of apologetics and what it looks like to to share that. And you know, some people need apologetics with a touch. Mm-hmm. It's it's sharing the gospel, but not just with words, but with actions. It's mm-hmm. somebody who's loving people with what we have to give mm-hmm. and what we have to offer and with our time. And sometimes that is letting people speak, letting people share what they believe in, you know, and, and allowing them to be heard, you know, um, but also presenting truth without condemnation, loving that way. And, you know, it, it does take a lot of wisdom. Uh, the verse that I have written down is Colossians 4, verse 5, which says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time, and let your speech always be gracious seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person it's just walking in wisdom towards people who are on the outside and and i like how he says that let your speech always be gracious Mm -hmm. it's like man our words can be so divisive and and even tear down people and i think one thing we have to remember is people are not the enemy it's satan is the enemy you know Mm -hmm. christ died for the world and the people that you're trying to witness to like to remind yourself that as you're speaking with them even if it gets heated even if it gets all like that that jesus loves this person and jesus loved us i mean the bible says while we were sinners christ died for us and so letting our our speech be gracious but also seasoned with salt with truth with yeah. something that is is gonna draw them in that in that sense to jesus yeah with yeah. give them jesus yeah and it's it's difficult to you in a world of of in our culture that says there's there is no absolute truth mm-hmm. truth is relative you can make your truth whatever it is so when you come when you say that this is the truth mm-hmm. um it's automatically like you're saying like what what makes your truth more than mine or more true than mine or whatever but and that's that's what I think that's what it, we're talking about. It offends people. It offends yeah, people. When, I mean, I, I've been offended when someone just knew something that I was like, wait, I've been working so hard to figure this out. Wait, how do you know that's, you know, it's yeah. like, wait, how do you know that's yeah. true? Wait, I, I don't know that yet. Yeah. And we <laughs> don't, you know, when hurts. I gave my life to the Lord, I, I, I needed to be offended. I needed my sin to be called out. I mean, yeah. Yeah. and I was, I mean, mm-hmm. it, and it was the Lord, but it was gracious. It was loving. It was a father that was, that was pursuing me in the midst of all of my imperfections and and wayward trails that i would and that i would go after and things that i would pursue and and um but i needed that exposure of the light to my darkness yeah you know and sometimes people bite back it's just like for sure because they've never they only work in the dark they operate they live in the Mm -hmm. dark and so once light shines it's like ooh, immediately on the defense yeah you don't know what i've been through you don't know where i'm coming from you know you don't which is it's funny, you know, if you're, if you're out in the middle of the ocean and you're drowning and a boat comes by and throws you, throws you the, the lifesaver, that's the truth. Like, this will save your life. Hmm. There's no other truth. Like, this is it. Either you grab hold of this, it'll save you. Because no, nothing else is being, ca- is being cast out there for you. I think a lot of people are, are offended by that. Like, how come there's only one way for me to be saved? There's only one person that, that died on the cross. There's only one person that took the penalty of sin. And so there's only one way to be saved. And because you've, you've offended a holy God, like you've sinned against him. And that's where I think people think it's too narrow in the sense of like, well, this isn't what I want. And, and I think when someone is thinking like, I don't want to come off too, 
too harsh. Like if someone's drowning, like you have to be offensive at some point, like Mm. you have to grab hold of this. And if you don't like that's on you, I can't, I can't always be concerned on how you're going to react to it, you know, and, um, or be scared that I I think the hard thing for me is I'm always nervous as how, how someone's going to receive it Mm -hmm. instead of just being concerned with the fact that they need to know this. Yeah. And that's my job. I can't be so concerned with how they're going to receive it. Yeah. Knowing that you can't control that. You can't control that. Yeah. Yeah. Someone's going to be offended. Yeah. And in the day and age where good night, I mean, you can offend anyone just by uh, any sentence you, you utter. So we, we got to get past that. Like, I don't, I can't care about everyone's feelings all the time. Yeah. So I don't know if that's insensitive, but you can't, you you can't let that hold you back from preaching the truth and living the truth. Yeah. I think that's also a way that it's not going to come off dogmatic and condemning if you live out what you say in love yeah. like you're saying yeah right and people know they watch us they see you know they see your actions and, and mm-hmm. you know everybody wants that everybody wants peace yeah everybody wants joy um there's a i was talking to the brother this morning and uh it's great and he actually he was talking about the only four things that of value in life are time money relationships and our achievements those are the only things that we value um, that, that hold value. Everything can be, can be categorized in those four. And he said, the only one that lasts forever is relationships. Mm. Time's going to go away. All money's going to go away. Our achievements are going to go away. Um, you know, and all those, that's how we trade for value. But he goes, if it came, if I knew Jesus was coming tomorrow, he goes, what would I do? He goes, I would go get, I'd pull out all my money. He goes, man, I'd put up signs. I'd do whatever I could. And I would be like, hey, listen, I will pay you a thousand bucks just if I can just tell you, <laughs> just let me t- just tell you, give me two minutes of your time, share, share some truth with you. And they'd get a thousand bucks. So they'd be like, sure. But that's how much I would care to tell people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's that attitude of you don't have to worry about being dogmatic. Like you, you have the truth. You know, you have the one thing that's going to last through eternity. Or, you know, we've talked about yeah. you, have, you have the one cure for sin or whatever. But um, just having that when the time comes, just remember that that's what you're actually holding on to. Yeah. And it's such a value that. You know, the only thing of value that will last and, and them and their souls and relationships. Yeah. So just approaching it that way, like, hey, I, even if, you know, this may offend you, but but this is, you know, again, stand on the, the, the truth is, is your faith and your gospel and your testimony. Mm-hmm. Again, again, relating it personally, we've talked about that in apologetics too, is that when it's your testimony and something that's happened in you, it just means so much more. Well, as we continue on in this episode, um, we just want to let you guys know that this last question that we're going to discuss kind of gets a little bit uh, PG-13 and deals with issues that might be sensitive to other people. So if you're listening to this and maybe you're around some kids, um, some youngins, and you might want to um, pause it right here, put the headphones in, or, um, or how would you... <laughs> I mean, how would you yeah. do that? <laughs> yeah, finish it later, maybe. <laughs> later. Later, love that one. Yes, exactly. Just have a lot of kids that listen yeah. to this. Yeah. Or yeah. If, if you're in high school, maybe listen with your parents around or something. Yeah. Yeah, um, but we do believe that this subject is important. It's the reason why we're, we're going to talk about this, this um, and discuss this and that God does provide help in this area. And so this question is asking what makes porn such a problem 
And what are some ways to battle an addiction to it? And so we're looking at the issue and of pornography and even the addiction that many Christians struggle with in this. Yeah. So. This is a big question. Take a deep breath. And I think, I think that the, the killer is that now it's pervasive throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was a kid, again, I was growing up, I'm just a couple years older than you guys, but when I was growing up, you know, we didn't even have cell phones or anything. Computer wasn't. So it just, yeah. but now, as we've seen, and we'll talk about this, like cultures in general, you know, now culture, it's just throughout culture. Right. So again, it's, it's, it's just another sin, but yet it's one that's so um, accessible. It's pushed on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even from kids, you know, we're sexualizing kids and stuff. So um, it's definitely sure. a huge issue. Yeah, as things become more corrosive through, like, basically, like, the pornification of everything, of all things, I think our challenge is to rediscover what purity even feels like. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's in everything now, from soda commercial to fabric softener. It's it's everything has this sexual dinge to it mm-hmm. and line running through it. And so we need to, as the church and as Christians, it, I think something that we're trying to do is rediscover what, what purity even feels like because it's become like this new word that we all have experienced through COVID is our new normal. And what it, which I hate is like, I don't want this to be the normal, but mm-hmm. when it comes to pornography, it's become, I think, it's been deemed as the new normal. And mm-hmm. I think it's because men have love it so much. They want to make it as normal as possible for everyone so that we can continue in it. It's only going to get, it's only going to progress. So we're trying to make it as normal as possible. We're trying to make, I think the world is trying to make pornography as normal as possible. And so like you're saying, it's even to the kids yeah. where kids are being exposed to it from ages, you know, six to 12. And it's not just boys, it's girls too now that are addicted and in viewing pornography. So it's a big issue. It's a big problem. I don't think it's something that we can necessarily solve in the next 20 minutes of us discussing this question. This is yeah. something much deeper um, than any of us are really um, equipped to. I mean, we're equipped with the Word of God, which is you know, the sword of the Spirit, and that's what we got. But as far as like on a on a physiological, you know, psychological level, what this is doing to us and why it's such a big problem is, is much deeper than just like, than our sexuality. It's, mm-hmm. it's having profound effects on culture. Yeah. I think there's an overall, like that, again, it's, it's an overall issue problem. But I think, again, from the, the question, the person that's asking the question, again, on a personal level, it's, it's sin. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, God created us to be in communion with him in this relationship and so satan is always the sin problem is he's always trying to isolate and always is trying to keep us selfish yeah so again so again it's it's you why is it such a problem uh and it's again i guess probably just an addiction because it's another sin yeah yeah on the on the normal level it's like well it's, just like any yeah. drug any sin is gonna affect you so just like you take a drug yeah like pornography hits those those uh, synapses in your brain gives you those dopamine hits, gets you excited, whatever. Um, and so, so there's a physiological response. So anytime a sin, there's, there's, we have our internal sins, like, like we were talking about earlier, bitterness, unforgiveness. 
um, and those can take root. But then when you when you combine an uh, an internal sin with a physical connection, mm. well, then it just has a stronger. It can have mm. a stronger um, addiction. Yeah, and you know when uh, you bring it back to Genesis and when God created everything. He created it and it was good. And the enemy is the one, Satan is the one who comes in and takes what is good and perverts it and twists it. Um, you know, and Andrew taught a great Bible study um, through First Corinthians on the Christian and sexuality. And if I would encourage you, if you hadn't, if you haven't listened to that, listen to that and and see the other side of um, how God created this act of sex. And it's and what it what its parameters were meant for, mm-hmm. you know. But as we discuss this question, we're discussing why this is such a problem is because it's something that's taken out of those out of those boundaries. Yeah. And I mean, something that has taken far out of those boundaries to this um, where it has become, like you said, Joel, an addiction. Something that um, now has become something that people. And even Christians really struggle with, and I and I think it deals a lot with um, shame. It deals a lot with guilt, and um, because it is something that is not like, hey, going to the bar and getting drunk. Yeah. And there's witnesses and people are around, and people are calling. You know, if you, if you get you know completely blackout drunk, you're someone's going to call the cops. Someone's yeah. going to call the paramedics to help you out. But this one is such a sin that it, that the enemy uses in in isolation and it's such a secret thing that you can go about your day and no one even knows about it Um, and and no one can find out and um, that's what makes it difficult to handle and difficult to deal with i would say that it is a big problem it's not a a huge problem yeah in not only in just our culture but even how it's invaded in uh, the church right I think like you're saying, because there's so much shame attached to it, it's become a way to deflect, a way to deflect shame and guilt of it is to deem it normal. So if it's normal, then it's inescapable. And if it's inescapable, let's just make it permissible. Hmm. Like it's just, hey, it's no big deal. It's just normal. It's, it's healthy or whatever. But the problem, I would say the problem, what makes porn such a problem is that porn lies. Mm-hmm. It lies to you. It, it promises what it cannot deliver. Yep. It, it can't bring what you're ultimately desiring, which is which is companionship and love. Yeah. Joel was just saying that love and lust are two different things, and it's only it's only satisfying lust. It's and it's only for a moment that it's satisfying that lust, and there's no love connected to it. Wow! And and it dulls our mind, and so when we're gladly giving ourselves over to this lie. We lose our ability to sort through fact and fiction mm. in real life. And mm. it's tearing your mind apart. And, and what's really scary is how much porn is linked to violence. Mm-hmm. What I think what pornography has done is that throughout, throughout culture, sex has been removed for, for a long time. It's been removed from the idea of family, like a family comes from, from that act. Um, and then it was. And you're, you're saying it's. I mean, God instituted yeah. it with the yeah. with the um, command of be fruitful and multiply. That's yes. what you're saying. Yeah. In the sense that it produces families. Right. Yeah. So culture and secular culture has removed it from that. Um, from what God then, intended it for. From God intended it. 
And then kind of like also it's being removed from love in general mm-hmm. that oh. like before in the sixties, there's this movement of free love Yes, that anyone, anytime, any place, it doesn't matter. Um, it's all love. Okay. Yeah. Sex is being removed from love where now it's like, it's shaking hands. It has wow. nothing to do with love. It's only connected between a body. Um, and it's just humans doing what humans do, satisfying a craving or a need. Or in- What's even sadder is that now it's being removed from humans. Sex is being removed from the human aspect of it to where we have AI and things like that that are coming in into virtual into reality. Virtual reality. It's getting in that stuff, yeah. So it's being removed further and further from humans. And what pornography is doing, the problem with it is that it dehumanizes people. Yes. It dehumanizes people. And it, it it degrades everyone involved in pornography, but it it's its customers most of all because you don't realize that you're being played like the whole time. Like you you're you're actually the one who's being degraded as well and mm-hmm. you don't see it that way and so it's it's really i think these are the problems that are both psychological and where we can't even relate to human beings anymore and it's easier to go to a screen or it's easier to go to something artificial because there's no fear of rejection there's no fear of commitment there's no you don't have to deal with any of that stuff it's there's almost no, like you can mask your insecurities exactly. in that with pornography yeah and I think what people have a hard time is like, well, scripture doesn't really talk about pornography. Where does it talk about it? It does talk about prostitution quite a bit, about like how that's incredibly wrong. This is a digital prostitution is what we're, what this is. Mm-hmm. Pornography is digital mm-hmm. prostitution. Yeah. Eventually, you're going to be paying for a service. You're, you're giving into and buying into a system, into this huge multimillion dollar industry. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's an industry. That is all based around sexual desire. And so, yeah, I'm not, you may be thinking like, well, it's not prostitution. It is. It's digital prostitution. And it's de- dehumanizing us. It's degrading everyone involved, which is, this is why it's such a problem. It's becoming less and less human. It's, be, it's yeah. causing us to become less and less human. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul mentioned it in, in um, his letters to the churches. You know, I can think of even in Colossians here where he says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. You know, all of those things you can wrap in and find in pornography. And even that uh, that Greek word for sexual immorality is the Greek word porneia, mm-hmm. which is where we get that. It's scary to see that the, the culture is, is normalizing it so much. Here, Paul says, hey, se- you know, sexual immorality is like... Y- y- Sexual immoral, well, they're not going to enter heaven. Yeah. You know, this is a, this is a sin as mm-hmm. God sees it. The, the world that we're living in, we really need wisdom yeah. as, as a Christian. We really need wisdom in how to handle and how to battle an addiction with it. And so that moves on to that second part of, of that question that the listener asks, what are some ways to battle an addiction to this? Yeah, again, realize it's, it's, a, it's a sin. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually you know we we don't talk about sins being different, but this one's it's it's against yourself again. And anytime yeah. it's a sexual thing, it's like wow, it's like you know and it does affect you, affects the ability of Christ 
you know, in you to be a witness to others and all, all that kind of thing that his light in you. Um, and again, not in a condemning way, but just like, again, any sin here. And so again, realizing that it is because as society normalizes it, you want to set yourself apart mm-hmm. and realize that there is a standard of purity and it is obtainable. I think, again, we talk to people and, and they, you know, their minds are just, or they've been in, in this so long they almost don't see the hope that there is the purity yeah. is available. Yeah. And so the first thing I'd say is that, hey, let's start yes. off with step one. There is purity. It is available. It is obtainable yes. through Jesus. Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. hope. Yeah, and I wanted to say that. I don't mean to cut you off, but that was yeah. my first point too was um, that I want to let you guys know that there is forgiveness. for, yeah. for the. This is not the unforgivable sin. This is not um, a sin that God's blood the blood of Jesus Christ cannot wash clean. Just as 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sin, that God is the one who is faithful and who is just to cleanse us mm-hmm. and forgive us mm-hmm. of our sin. And so there is hope. I like how you said that, yeah. Joel. Yeah. yeah. That's, that was my first one too, is confess, you need to confess your sin to God. Yeah. Like, and it's really, it's between you and the Lord, first and foremost, like get right with the Lord. I would say the second one is, Ask for the renewing of your mind, Revelations or, or Romans twelve two. Let let God renew your mind. That mm-hmm. This is this is something that's taking up residence in your mind. It's taking up residence in your heart. And it's only by renewal that God can God can and He will wash those things out mm-hmm. and begin to cleanse your mind. And so ask the Lord, God, renew my mind. Um, yeah. And I think a way that our mind is renewed is when we gain a fresh view of God's glory, mm. you know, because mm. this is something that is, is it's idolatry in, yeah. in reality, yeah. what it is. Yeah. It's idolatry. And just like any sort of idolatry, it's when we lose grasp of the beauty and the glory of Jesus that yeah. we chase after these lesser and corruptible gl- glories. These things that, like you said, Andrew, before, that don't give what they promise. Mm. And so... In renewing our mind, we, it's, it, to me, it's, it's getting a fresh glimpse of the glory of Jesus, of the glory of God, because, you know, we all worship something, you know, every, and we want our worship to be towards God. Um, if I can add one in that what you were saying, you know, confessing to the Lord, renewing your mind, I think an important one, too, is how James says, confess to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, it says in James 5, 5, 16, says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed for the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. You know, I think that is a huge step in in um, battling an addiction to this is confessing it to an accountability partner, to somebody confessing this sin because sin, mm-hmm. it'll fight and it'll... Yeah. claw and bite so it can have its secrecy and stay hidden but the moment that you expose it and you let the light in light overcomes darkness yeah you know the light overcomes darkness and so i think there's an importance to finding a godly friend someone you can trust and confess to that person at pray with that person ask if they can hold you accountable in that confessing to one another mm-hmm. Next, I'd say on a practical level is one, just like you said, renewing your mind. You can you want to put good in and get rid of bad. Yeah. So again, uh, by putting good, well, let's talk about getting rid of bad first. Is that you know if you were a drunk and you went to the bar every night, yeah. Okay, let's stop going to the bar first. Yeah. So if it's your cell phone, 
if if that's where you see porn, you, you gotta go with the go with the flip phone, bro. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. do what you gotta do. Yeah, I mean, do whatever you have to do. Yeah. Um, or if it's a computer, you know, just get rid of it. Go to yeah. the public library to see the computer. Whatever you have to do. Right. Temptation is like a magnet. Like the closer yeah. you get to it, the more attractive it becomes. Yeah. And so sometimes the best way to overcome temptation, like you're saying, is to get rid of it, get away from it, throw it away set yourself up yeah. as like, much as you can. It's like what succeed. Jesus said. If your right hand causes you to sin, yeah. cut it off. Get rid of it. Better yeah. get in heaven without that uh, <laughs> iPhone 12. <laughs> yeah. Then but, you can survive but without it. That, but that deals, that brings up, like, I think if we can go into that point you're talking about, to deal with it radically. Yeah. It's yeah, when don't we don't around. radically deal with it and we're like Achan mm-hmm. in the Bible mm-hmm. who took sin and hid it and didn't deal with it radically that it became something that not only hurt himself but his entire family right um yeah. and so there's i think there is and you find that source like you oh said, yes Joel. sin will constantly just tell you just and, and sin will tell you it doesn't need to be dealt with radically sin, yes. again the devil's always lying to you sin will it's just say to stay alive let me breathe yeah. just you know i won't do anything i'll stay here in the corner i won't mess just let me breathe just you know just just that's it but again, if it's breathing, it's alive, it's not dealt with. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think another point in that and dealing, cutting it off, getting you know, taking those areas, finding those areas that you're struggling in as far as those modes and getting rid of those. Um, you know, Jesus said, "Hey, you can," and he's speaking about demonic oppression and and possession in this in this parable. But he's saying, you know, you can rid a man of one spirit. But if he doesn't fill that himself up with good, mm-hmm. then seven more evil mm-hmm. ones can mm-hmm. come in and will make his life worse than it was before. And so there's this importance of getting rid of the bad, like he said, but also putting, building healthy habits of, of putting in good. You got to fill that time. And I think the best thing to fill it with is the word, right. is the word. Because I have here in Psalm 119, and this is verse 9 and verse 11. It reads, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? And then he goes on in verse 11 to say, I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Mm-hmm. And the word is a, our, you read the armor of God and it's the only offensive weapon we have to fight against the enemy wanting to kill us, wanting to destroy our lives. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. Mm-hmm. And we got to be like, David's mighty man, right? One of David's mighty men, oh, it says that his hand clung to the sword because mm-hmm. he fought so hard and he was just so desperate and that we need to be people that, men and women that cling to the word in order to overcome these addictions to sin. And it keeps us pure. Yeah. It, it, and, and, and it's not only clinging it, but it's, I like how the, the psalmist writes it in here. He says, storing it in your heart, which to me, it's memorizing scripture, which is one of the most difficult Ugh. things to do. I can you know, remember yeah, the no. dumbest stuff yeah. from any movie. I mean, Fox and Down too, but I can't remember Scampy. where. Scampy. I can't remember what Romans twelve two says for crying out loud. It's so annoying. Yeah, yeah. but Sorry. I think that it takes a commitment to the word, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's yeah, and, and you can and, listen. Hey, listen to it. Yeah, I know a lot of people that will listen to again. Yeah, cool podcast, which is great. But also, it's like, hey, listen to um, listen to these teaching sermons. Yeah, Pastor Chuck, Pastor John Corson, Pastor John Randall. You know, yeah, put it on, just have it going. Yeah. Put it in your car. Like it's amazing what the yeah. word will do. Yeah, over. this podcast should not be a uh, should take place of your devotions with not the Lord. At all. Yeah, oh, okay, it's great. Though. This should be great. supplemental this to is... an already 
or a vitamin. Well, just a vitamin. <laughs> just a vitamin. Yeah. Vitamin A. Um, but yeah, yeah. There's there's so many ways to get the word in. Yeah. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It's, well, Philippians four eight. Whenever things are true, pure, like like you're saying, replace. Mm-hmm. Like if you're gonna mm-hmm. put, if this is gonna go out. Mm-hmm. You need to replace it. What your mind is meditating on needs to be replaced with these things. He said, whatever things are praiseworthy, meditate on these things. You got to replace that stuff mm-hmm. with with the word of God and what's good, and meditating on that. Otherwise, you know, you just kind of go back if you're always thinking about that. When I, when I was in social work, they did a. I had to watch a TED talk as part of the social work, and they were talking about heroin addicts, mm-hmm. and the heroin addicts that went through programs, twelve step, whatever, had like a. I mean, we're talking a dismal success rate, but then they started taking them and giving them jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, like hey, you get throw it in the grocery store, TJ Maxx, and they started going, they had a purpose. Yeah. Every day they'd mm-hmm. wake up, they had a job. They didn't go through the program. All they did was got a job. That's it. Without the program, they got a job and they had purpose. So they're, they're fellowshipping wow. with other people. Mm-hmm. And it was up to like a 90% success rate. They just, they didn't want to go back to their isolation and sin and darkness because they had purpose and like, and, and yeah. fellowship. So again, what I tell people is, that, listen, you got the word, then you got fellowship. Get into church. I mean, our church has something going every night. It's yeah. you know, we're blessed to have that going on, um, but find that. Get yeah. in, serve, be, yeah. be purposeful. Get in fellowship. You'll find it way more satisfying. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. You know, I was just reading an article the other day that was talking, and he was the the writer was referencing the psychologist who was saying that if you want to do something and you want to complete it, because we what we struggle with is we have um, you know good intentions and we have great ideas, but seeing them out is like the tough part. And the psychologist was saying, if you write it down the night before and you say, you write down what time you're going to do it, let's say you're sitting in your bed, you're like, I'm going to, you know, in place of this, I'm going to read my word. I'm going to wake up. Mm-hmm. If if I wake up at 7 a.m., then I will read the first chapter of the book of John. If you write that down the night before, that your percentage of you actually doing it, like, goes up dramatically. And it's because you find this purpose of, like, filling your time uh, yeah, with... Yeah good things of 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 finding that and it's like it's to me it's it's like that's true because god wants to give you purpose and he has you do have purpose in him but it's so often it's idle time that that causes you to sin it's it's when you're not doing something when you're not busy at church hanging out with believers going for a run going to a coffee shop to read you know these these different things that it's that's where the enemy attacks you is when you're like we mentioned it in our, our i think a podcast ago about being that you know that caribou with the broken hoof you know <laughs> you think you're part of the pack you're not but you're not and you're isolated and you're you know and the enemy sees that and he's going to get you and so it's it's this finding that time to fill that um, I, I think uh, in Romans 6, verse 11, I want to read this verse and, and hear what you guys have to say about this. Romans 6, verse 11, Paul says, So you must con- you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think there's, there's a, also that comes a point where you realize when you come to a place and you're like, mm-hmm. I'm dead to that. Yeah, Andrew, you taught a message years ago and it's still ringing in my, in my mind and stuck to me that dead people have no reaction or um, they can't respond to anything. And so you remind yourself that you're dead to the call of sin. Maybe you can, I don't know if you want to say, like, I mean, you can kick a corpse, you can scream at it, you can threaten it, you can do all these things, but it won't respond because 
it's dead. <laughs> so that's the idea, as Paul says, that's your old man, that Christ, that it was crucified with Christ, therefore your new creation in Christ. That's the old life, that's the old man, and that, that part of you is dead. And so reckon it to be so, he says. Um, so when it does come up again and it, it does rear its head, you remind yourself, like, that's a dead part of my life. It's in the grave. Christ died for it. It's forgiven. It's gone. And I'm, I'm resurrected to a new life. I'm a new creation. Yeah, but you can scream at a, a corpse all day long and nothing's going to happen. Yeah. And that's the idea for sure. Yeah. I was going to read First um, Thessalonians 4, 3 through 4. He says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel and sanctification and honor. So part of this, like how to overcome, is learning how to possess your body in holiness, mm-hmm. learning to have self-control. And part of that is the indwelt spirit of God is one of the, the fruits of the spirit is self-control. And um, the more that you say no to it as well, the stronger the spirit is going to become. The more you feed the flesh, the, the more difficult it becomes. So yeah. learning to possess your own body in holiness, um, I, I think Paul mentioned this is the will of God for us. It's, yeah. it's, and it's learning. You're, we're learning. There's a process that we're going through of sanctification. So that's something we need to, to take into account also. Yeah. I think like Paul says, you know, he says, I, I discipline my body, you know, that I might put it under subjection, you know, because I want to be that runner that's running that good race. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of this story that Chuck Smith, I remember listening to a, a sermon of his, and he told that story, this story of a this man in Alaska who had these two wolves and every night or every week they would have these dog fights. These wolves would fight each other and people in the town would come and bet on these dogs. Okay. Sorry, PETA. This, this is Chuck's story. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Okay. But he's saying that there's this, you know, this black wolf and this white wolf and they would fight. And every time people would bet on, on these, you know, these animals as they would fight and they would ask him, Oh, who do you think is going to win tonight? And you know, he would stop and he'd think and he'd say, Oh, a white one. I went tonight, and sure enough, as the fight would continue, the white would overcome the black. And then the next week, the same thing would happen, and then they would eventually ask him again, oh, who do you think is going to win tonight? And the owner would look at it, and he'd be like, hmm, I think it's the black one. You know, and then finally, this progression kept going where he, this owner was gaining all this money from figuring out who was winning each night. And finally, somebody asked him and said, how, are, how do you know who's winning the battle, the fight between these, these creatures? And he said, oh, well, it's easy. It's whichever one I choose to feed that morning. <laughs> and Chuck applied it to, what yeah. are you feeding? Yeah. Are you feeding the flesh or are you feeding the spirit? Because at the end of the day, who's going to win? Mm-hmm. The one that's fed. If you're feeding the flesh with yeah. Instagram stuff, which is so risque now, and oh, it's sat, social media is so gone over the edge in yeah. this area of sexual impurity, um, and other things like that. And, but if you're feeding the flesh in those areas, you're going you're gonna to lose that battle. But as you continue to read the word and you feed your spirit and you pray and you're hanging around godly believers and you're, you, you know, and you're pouring into that, the, the, the spirit, because the spirit and the flesh are warring against each other, right? Then you're going to find victory. Like Paul would say, if you walk mm-hmm. in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Mm-hmm. You won't fulfill those lusts. And I think there's such there's such good things that God has for us. Yes. Once and it starts with what you guys said, 
is, is wrecking yourself dead, you know, to that. And, and that's, again, a lot of us, you know, just get to that point um, and trust him. And, yeah. and like he has such just, just, you know, joy, peace, things that you couldn't even imagine, you know, true relationships, true love. And so, yeah, just recognize it's out there that there's hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like we said before, as we started this one, I mean, we, we, we're so limited in this podcast to this, and this question is so vast and so big. And so we would encourage you, I don't know if you guys have any resources you can point people to maybe that might be struggling with this. I know one is a, is a, an app you can actually download on your phone called Covenant Eyes, where it tracks, you know, websites you visit and, and such, and you choose an accountability partner. And so from apps to things you view to websites and stuff get sent to that accountability mm-hmm. partner and it keeps you in check in the area of battling the addiction with pornography. I don't know if there's any other resources you guys can think of books or yeah, there's um, great articles on the gospel coalition website on, they have like a tab you can click and it's just, it's pornography and there's other ones about addiction. Um, so they have amazing articles, so much stuff you can read on the topic because it, it isn't spoken of necessarily much in church. And and this is where we need to learn about it for sure is like God's understanding the meaning of sex is really important through scripture, through the lens of scripture, mm-hmm. because it is given to us by God. And so there's some great Christian, uh, I know you said Desiring God as well, mm-hmm. has a lot of articles written by very smart people. Um, smarter than us, much smarter than ourselves. <laughs> and, um, so there's, there's a lot of great resources, but I would say do it, you know, don't do it by yourself. Make sure you have someone that you're with while you're, while you're going through this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, have someone keeping you accountable to what you're reading, what you're seeing. Cause you don't want to like over, over read on the problem of it. Yeah. Cause it just excites more, more things to go search out or find out. So find things that are helpful. Um, to overcome or to help you to, to understand what's going on in your own, in your own heart, your own mind. So, all right, guys. Well, Hey, if you made it this far, (laughs) thank you for listening. Seriously. We thank you guys so much. We're so excited to start season two of lightning rounds. Andrew, what can people expect from season two? Of lightning rounds. Man. Give just, a little preview. Just more great things. More great things. I mean, the segments, just wait. <laughs> wait until you hear some of these segments. This is going to be great. But I think it's going to be fun. We yeah. Got, we got some planned out things with some guests. and Yeah, we have some, we have some more guests, some really fun guests that we're, we're um, wanting to throw in here. And even some topics um, to oh, discuss yeah. here. We're, you know, we did one. We ended off season one with the topic of singleness and dating. And questions that kind of were funneled through that topic. And so we have some more topics we're thinking about touching and having themed uh, discussions. And maybe even some testimonial stuff through here, too. Um, yeah. So Exciting we hope stuff. you enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride. <laughs> enjoy the ride. <laughs> Thank you for riding with us. Riding <laughs> the lightning. Jungle Cruise. Riding the lightning. Riding the lightning. <laughs> the lightning ride. Right in lightning. I like it. All right. Well, keep sending in your questions to us, guys. And you can do that um, through Instagram at refuge underscore SJC. You can also follow us there on Instagram. It's kind of where you stay updated with our young adult ministry and also with um, the updates on our lightning round episodes. 
And if you don't have Instagram and you're listening to this and you want to send us a question, you can also email Pastor Andrew at... At Pastor Andrew at ccsjc.com. Pastor Andrew is my name. Nice. So yeah. Pastor Andrew at ccsjc.com. Cool. So if you don't have Instagram, send in your questions that way. Or you can catch us in person Thursdays here at the church at 7 p.m. And Come if, on. Yeah, Come if you visit. haven't been to Thursdays, pilgrimage. Pilgrimage it. Set your heart on pilgrimage. <laughs> pilgrimage it. Pilgrimage. Pilgrimage like a small. Seriously, like a small that's what I, I would say if like you're a, a young pilgrim. person, if you're a young person in America, come to SoCal. Come on. Come to Refuge. Perhaps make, make that a yeah. yeah perhaps there's you're in Kentucky. There's Sweden, you should come. Kentucky, all great places. There's something happening here. I mean, God's doing a really poor, God's pouring. I want God's pouring out His Spirit here in Southern California, and so cool. It's amazing to. So see what God's doing yeah. here. We're we're so amazed at and glory we'll be to find God. A, we'll find a host family. For yeah, you. hey, got money. Get out. He here. might have a dog. He might have four kids. <laughs> four kids and a dog. We'll he might have a red beard. You. That's interesting. <laughs> hey, someone could stay. No. Yeah, pilgrimage. Come on out. Come we'll on. find you. We'll find a host family, mm-hmm. and you can experience the the, wow. the revival that's going on right now. It's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Come. Come on. Well, you heard it from Joel right there. There's the invitation. I got a cow chicks down. Come on. (laughs) And uh, a couple dogs, too. And two. (laughs) Wake up licking your face. (laughs) All right. Well, we can't wait to catch you on the next episode of Lightning Rounds. We hope you guys are blessed. Have an awesome day. See ya. Peace. Peace.